chapter 1. Once again, there was a lot, a lot of work that was put into the marriage uh, banquet, and I want to uh, personally thank each and every person uh, you helped. You uh, were uh, somebody that served, and it's the observation, uh, Evangelist Chris Hart, we could, uh, just the uh, way that functioned, we could have a restaurant, but we're not. But we could. There was a tremendous um, orchestration, the, the guys that were flipping steaks, the people that were serving. So many uh, moving parts were involved in uh, hearty appreciation and thanks for your labors. So I got to state my credentials for this message. I'm going to preach. Uh, does everyone know what tomorrow is? Yes. Yeah, of course. So it's, it's uh, Valentine's Day. And if you don't, uh, listen. If you don't, like, get uh, a valentine, remember that Jesus is God's valentine to you. So I'm going to preach a message entitled Fueling Romance. Everybody stay put. <laughs> this, is, this, doesn't, this is not just for the married people. This is for uh, married, married couples, but this has absolute uh, application. I'm not going to get too steamy. I'm going to deal with uh, romance, but I'm going to deal with um, really affection, and uh, this can be uh, something that you cultivate uh, towards everybody, really. My credentials, uh, this coming March 2nd, uh, Mark's, uh, my wife has put up with me for 47 years, and, uh, and I'm just very blessed by uh, her uh, commitment to Christ and her loving kindness that she has shown to me. I cast a glance at her. She knows I don't want to start blushing. But anyway, uh, thank you, Sister Michelle. And uh, I could not do what I do without a very faithful wife uh, that stands with me. And I appreciate you, sweetie. Uh, so I say that because uh, we have been together for 47 years. We're not perfect. We don't have a perfect, perfect, um, uh, everything's perfect. Um, and I was thinking about this, that I'm talking to real people. We have uh, something that happens. It's called life. Life happens. And in that, it means that, you know, uh, gives occasion to... Uh, to mess up, it gives occasion to not be, you know, exactly perfect in every, every detail, every hair in place, so to speak. Okay, so having said that, I was thinking about the purpose of preaching. The purpose of preaching is to exhort us to do better. If we have areas of uh, need or room for improvement. Somebody said the largest room in every house is the room for self-improvement. Can somebody get a witness on that? We need to grow. We need to, uh, we need to learn. You know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And so uh, I want to uh, emphasize that we are all a work in progress. And so Having said that, let's look at the Song of Solomon, chapter 1, and we're going to read through verse 4. This is Solomon, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. 
Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Because of the fragrance of your good ointments, your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love you. Draw me away. We will run after you. The king has brought me into his chambers, and we will be glad and rejoice in you. We will remember your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. So let's just stop right there. And this is a poetic, um, uh, you know, composition of the very wisest man outside of Jesus Christ that ever lived. And he is not, uh, he's dealing with very intimate, very personal subjects. Um, it's, uh, it has to do with married love, intimacy. But it's not crude. It's not crass. He doesn't, you know, the, 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 you know he definitely is not going to be a hit on the rap, uh, the rap station. He, he couches as the old timers used to have the class. They could deal with very intimate uh, issues, but it was in a very classy way. It was very artful. So the book of Song of Solomon uh, is full of, uh, of symbolism, uh, full of uh, poetic um, uh, subjects, and of address, addressing poetic subjects uh, about love. So I want to uh, look first with you at the spark plug of... Um, of romance. And when we talk about this, as in all that I'm going to address, we're not going to the world or, you know, some gossip columnist's opinion or some ladies' journals or magazines, men's magazines, when we're talking about uh, finding out what does it mean to really uh, have romance and to uh, show a romantic side. What we're talking about um, is um, having something that is uh, in our relationship that is passionate. We're talking about um, something that should uh, convey to our partner or the person that is the object um, of their importance um, and their happiness. Um, and I want to say right from the beginning that you get married not to be happy, but really to make the other person happy. Stop the tape. We're talking about something completely different than the world. Remember John F. Kennedy's thing is, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And so really that's a principle of the Bible is he that seeks to save himself shall lose himself, but he that loses his life for the gospel and for Jesus, you're going to find yourself. And so uh, I want to tell you that uh, my pastor incorporated into the vows. He said, you know, marriage isn't just, you know, finding the right person. Marriage really is being the right person. And so in so many things, when we're coming at it from the world's perspective, it's like, how do I get? How do I have my needs met? How do I find fulfillment for me? And it's, it's very, very uh, self-centric um, or centered. Um, and I'm going to tell you, that's completely the wrong prescription. That's completely the wrong um, uh, formula. Because in God's teaching, um, you need to forget about yourself. Um, and you need to uh, emphasize um, uh, the other person and, uh, and uh, encouraging. In other words, um, 
don't worry so much. Don't worry so much about the other person's um, uh, reciprocating to you or what their actions or their attitudes are. Uh, far more worry about you doing what you're supposed to do. Biggest problem I can see in so many different relationships, it's been described like this. Two dry sponges trying to get, uh, you know, trying to get their need met by each other. I'll tell you how you can have the blessing of God. You know, if you do what's right and you get the smile of God on you and on your life, then that covers a multitude of needs. If you do what's right, well, the other person, I'm waiting for my spouse or I'm waiting for the other person. They got to line up. They got to tick all the boxes. They got to do all the things that, and, and then maybe, you know what, maybe I'll, you know, smile. Maybe I'll be in a good mood. Maybe I'll be uh, approachable. Um, and I'm going to tell you something. That's the formula for a train wreck. That's the problem with the world. And the world is not succeeding. And in a lot of places, the church doesn't succeed because they ape the world. You know what? God's called us to a new. Be uh, transformed. Be completely transformed by the renewing of your mind. This Bible is the blueprint. It will uh, transmit or impart a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of direction into your heart if you will allow it. If you make a conscious decision and say, you know what? Uh, I've tried it my way. I've tried it by my own instincts or impulses. Uh, and guess what? You know what? Uh, when you're dealing with uh, uh, the reality is, um, somebody has said accurately, marriage is two selfish people living under the same roof. Okay, everybody breathe. Okay, now that we're through that. I have it, you have it's because we're fallen creatures. We, we have that DNA of Adam and Eve. We have that, what did Adam and Eve do? She, she broke away from God. She broke away from her husband. Uh, she's going to do what fulfills her. It looked good to her. It looked like it's going to fulfill her. And as she put the emphasis on that, she disregarded God's word, God's command. She stepped over the line, and instead of being blessed and enlightened and free, now she's got the curse. And what immediately takes place is they go into hiding. Immediately, adrenaline kicks in. Now they feel something very foreign. They feel afraid. They feel fear. They feel shame. And what happens when they get called out because God was faithful, even if we're not, God showed up just like he always does. He always shows up. Uh, God, by the way, God's always had an appointment with man. He always met man at the cool of the day, and he still meets man at church. So whether we're faithful or not, God shows up and God calls out, Adam, where are you? It's not because God didn't know where Adam was. You know what? Sometimes God calls your name out. He calls you out because you need to know where you are. When he calls you out and you're not, you're not where you're supposed to be, you know what? God's basically saying, what are you doing? I don't want you to go off the cliff in this, in this nonsense. What are you doing, Adam? And so then he answers him. God asks him a couple of questions. And quick as a, quick as a wink, he says, she done it. And then when, you know, the old saying, God confronted Adam, he blamed the woman. He confronted the woman, she blamed the snake. 
Snake didn't have a leg to stand on, so. Come on, you guys that have been with me a little while. Help me. <laughs> Man, somebody's going to buy me a new joke book for Christmas. I, I know what's going to happen. That's all right. <clears throat> Where's Glenn Cluck when you need him? So, you know, I want you to think about this really important facet of your Christianity for a moment. So not, that's why I said for the folks that, you know what, we're not just talking about marriage. You know, how inadequate is our relationship with Jesus if we lack this component of passionate fervency? You know, God is the consummate lover. He is a, a God that has expressed his love. Uh, the Bible said he so loved. Everybody knows John 3.16. If they know anything in the Bible, he so loved, so loved the world that he gave um, his only begotten son. Um, and uh, I've said it. Jesus is God's valentine to the world. Um, greater love has no man than he that would lay his life down for his friends. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, uh, you know, in a day when people are stealing things like premarital sex, uh, they're stealing uh, uh, the fruits that should be only um, uh, given in a protected covenant uh, relationship. Uh, you know, God says, I'm not like these cheap people that steal stuff. Uh, uh, he said, I told you I loved you and I was willing to put you ahead of me and my need. Uh, I laid down my life. He said, not my will, but thy will be done, Father. Uh, no, I don't want to, I don't want to have to sacrifice my life, but not my will. Um, and the Bible says there's no love greater than he that sacrifices everything um, for the beloved. Can you say amen? amen? So if that's true, and it is true, we're not surprised um, that we see that he is totally dissatisfied uh, when that fiery love is not reciprocated uh, back to him. You know, after reciting the virtues, and there were many, they were notable in the church of Ephesus. He says, you got this good, and this is in, you know, and I appreciate that. And I'm grateful that God does appreciate the things um, uh, that we do for him. He takes, um, uh, he takes a knowledge of that. Um, uh, but you know what? Uh, after emphasizing the solid virtues of the Ephesian church, uh, suddenly... He shifts, he pulls them up short and, and no doubt shocks them by lodging a very serious complaint. In fact, if this is not checked and countered, it's going to become terminal, which means it's going to be deadly. Revelation 2, verse 4 and 5. After giving them compliments, he said, nevertheless... I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you are fallen and repent. That word for anybody that needs a definition means change your mind about it. You can repent. You know, but repentance starts with a, uh, a changing of your mind or your attitude. And so he says, repent and do the first works or else 
or else <laughs> I will come unto you quickly and I'm going to remove your candlestick out of his place and except you repent. Well, that's a long words to say you'll be in trouble if you don't straighten this up. I'll give you a space. The Bible said God gives a space for repentance. And but I'm going to tell you something. He means what he says and he says what he means. But actually, this is fantastic, really. Because it tells us about our God, that he's not satisfied um, with a superficial or routine service um, or obligatory um, performance uh, that's just simply orthodox, um, a performance on the outside uh, where we've allowed passion to wither on the inside. And you know, nothing could be more common, really, than relationships that are allowed to die within. You know, people, good, uh, I, I've said it before, men and women, when it suits them, they could be like, they could win an Oscar from Holly, Hollyweird. Because they can put on a good performance. How, how, how's everything? Oh, yeah, fine. But it's not fine. And so, and so, uh, and so on the inside, uh, if there is a passionless Christianity, that is totally unacceptable to the God of heaven. It's not acceptable. Did everybody hear that? Well, I'm in church. and Yeah, but it's more than just physically being there. I've said it before. You could be sitting here and you could be a thousand miles away. You could be like thinking about barbecue. You could be thinking about the restaurant. You could be thinking about tomorrow. You could be thinking about the... Those are carnal things. Like I said, carnal things. So this is so crucial that God has not left it to the vicissitudes or the flows of life um, or the whims of emotion. <clears throat> he has commanded it. And what is so adamant, what is so amazing is that he is so adamant about this. He doesn't leave any stone unturned. Listen carefully uh, to what areas he covers in Mark chapter 12, 29. The guys asked him about, you know, what's the first commandment? And Jesus said, I'll tell you what the first. He answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. So we can just summarize and say, God is saying, I am demanding that you marshal all of your vital forces for this. Heart, soul, mind, strength. And, and actually, John the Apostle says, the Apostle of Love, he says, um, the commandments of God are not grievous and because where this is practiced, it actually benefits you. God knows. And you know, it's not, well, God's commanding something that seems a little selfish. No, he commands what's best for us. Father knows best. And you know what? Um, he commands, um, no, it's not going to be a good scene for you to have a superficial or just kind of really thin surface kind of Christianity, you know. You can teach an ape to raise its hands and chatter. You know what? You can, but you know what? Uh, it takes a human um, that um, is made in the image of God um, that, um, that, uh, that uh, connects all of these uh, vital forces, his heart, 
his emotions, his, um, his thoughtfulness, you know what, uh, uh, affections, his will, uh, all that's involved um, uh, can be channeled uh, up to God in, in praise and worship uh, and adoration. Uh, and God says that and that alone um, is what I'm looking for. Uh, this is what a lover seeks. And we know this in human relationships. Uh, anything that's superficial, you may be able to skate by. You know, I'm Casanova and I got the girls wrapped around. You may be, you know, the pretty girl. And I would think all the guys just, uh, uh, you know, wrapped around your finger. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, if the heart is not engaged, it's not going to be long before there's problems uh, in Pasadena. That means there's going to be problems uh, at home. And so uh, it's, a, it's a very crucial issue right here. Um, and we've got to reinforce this because um, uh, God says in, in Ezekiel 33 and verse 31, you know, God's not, he's not, he's not, uh, we, oh, we, we pulled the wool over God's eyes about this. Oh, you know, we're here. But, you know, for example, this is going to, some people are going to say, you're leaving preaching and now you're meddling. I wonder how, can I meddle? Oh, you know I'm going to. How many people are dinking around with their phone in church? You don't even realize you're hooked. If, 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 if you had to take a snort of cocaine and uh, speed as many times as you have to caress that thing. In fact, if you, if you invested as much uh, effort on your relationship, you'd probably have revival. But God says, don't, you're not fooling me. You know, I, you know. Anyway, Ezekiel 33 and verse 31. God says to the prophet, and they come, he's talking about people that are playing with him. And they come unto you, Ezekiel, the preacher, as the people come. And they sit before you as my people. And they hear your words. <laughs> but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. So their gain, their self-interest, their pursuits, whatever's the fad, whatever it is. Uh, but there is a dichotomy between their heart and their mouth. And it's known by God and it will be known by your spouse as well. Paul addresses this tendency, um, especially during the last days, there's going to be an intense spirit that is pulling. 2 Timothy 3 verse 4, he's talking about a whole list of laundry list of things. He said that men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They're going to have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. From such, turn away. So they can be people, um, they have a form of godliness. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm using this towards whether it's towards God, whether it's towards your spouse, whether it's towards anybody, really. Um, uh, you can have the um, outward appearance, uh, but the inward is not uh, backing it up. The inward is not engaged. Uh, and, uh, and so God says it's totally unacceptable from such turn away. If that attitude, I, uh, you know what, I just love pleasure more, you know, the things that interest me, uh, uh, you know, I can't stand to sit around a, an hour and a half in church, but oh, you can plunk your butt down for five hours uh, and watch extra innings in your favorite sports team. 
Oh, you can camp all night outside uh, of, a, of a silly Walmart uh, and, uh, and all the stuff. Oh, I got to get the blue light special. If that's, that's, I know, that's Kmart. I know that. You think that God doesn't see that? Well, I want to tell you, he does see that. And he knows. And you know what? If you've ever had a dry season in your spiritual life, we have. Well, everybody's been through that probably. And, and I get it. Uh, you, know, we're, you, know, we're, you know, but the truth of the matter is, if that starts to become something that's settling in on you, uh, you better take some radical, you better take some radical steps because God says, you know what? If you're not engaged in first love Christianity, that is unacceptable. And eventually that will leave to you being separated uh, one way or another. And so there's, that's a very, very toxic um, attitude and, and, uh, and self-love. You know what? Um, the scripture tells us um, have nothing, the other translation when it says from such turn away, have nothing to do with, avoid this and take care, brother, sister, take care, especially in your Christian life. Don't allow that attitude to cr- uh, creep in. Lovers of money, more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Lovers of a, of a hobby, lovers of whatever. And you know what? In the same regard, don't let something begin to creep in where your wife should be God first in your life. Your marriage, if you're married, that person, you're in covenant relationship. You're not to treat, you know, it's, it's a weird, weird aberration of human nature. We, we, we are so kind. We can be so gracious to strangers uh, and yet devils to people that we're married to. Now, don't shout me down. I'm just... See, what's true of your relationship with God should be absolutely true with your relationship with your spouse. Because what I found is that if my heart is right with God and I'm surrendered to God and I'm in proper sync with God's will, you know what happens? I can receive much and I can give much. The real truth is, the real truth is, is we're vessels. And if you're not in a flow, in a right flow with God, then God's... You're, you're, you're breaking like fellowship and the flow of intimacy with God. So pretty soon you're, you're going to get dry on the inside. When you don't have God's replenishing of the springs and the, and the heart and the, and, the, and the grace of God that softens us. Instead of being selfish, we, we, we have a sacrificial spirit. Instead of being self-centered, we have an other-centered uh, other, uh, 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 orientation. And when you don't have that flow of God coming into your life, uh, then pretty soon uh, uh, you don't have anything to give out towards people around you. Um, and so this is why God speaks to us. Uh, and he says, you know what? Um, uh, even in your relationship with your mate, um, uh, it's not going to be uh, satisfactory. Um, uh, you're not going to be blessed um, like God intends um, or you're capable unless um, there's that connection and that flow. Deuteronomy eleven twenty one shows us God's ideal. He says that your days may be multiplied. Um, and it doesn't, I don't believe that just means extended as in 
uh, 40, 50, 70 years. I believe that, that it means um, uh, God is able to multiply um, in one day. He can cram a thousand years into a day. A day can be a thousand. And God is able to make our days enriched, um, uh, a much uh, more uh, satisfactory experience in our days, in our time. Uh, and he says that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land that the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. In the context of marriage, this is a possibility, your days as heaven upon the earth. He's not just exaggerating. It's not just a cliche. You know what? You can have a foretaste of heaven divine. What do you think heaven is? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know what? Um, you ask people, what do you, what do you think heaven is? You're on a cloud with a little harp. Whoopee. You know what it is? Real relationships. Where other people, you know what? You're able to interact and there's genuine, uh, you know, we know our God that, you know, he, he, he has designed things that, you know, if there is a, genuine forgetfulness of self and a, and a putting away of self uh, agenda uh, and there's a genuine heart uh, that's like his. You know what? Uh, people can be such a blessing. People can be so uh, amazing, really. And, uh, and he says that, you know what? This is what I'm trying to get to you. I'm trying to have you to have some uh, rehearsals uh, even for heaven uh, your days may be as heaven upon the earth. Uh, and it's very, very stirring that God says, no, you may be satisfied with just doing enough to make it. You might be sad. Well, you know, I just got to get through this and I'll just, you know, get, be faithful unto the end. That's definitely, definitely a subpar Christianity. And God says, you know what, um, I demand that there's got to be some fire. There's got to be some spark uh, uh, inside um, and so that you're not just winging it. Listen to what God spoke um, and you can feel God is such a uh, passion. If you understand the God of the Bible, he's not a robot. He's not this, you know, this uh, computer up there that's able to just uh, uh, track everything um, or AI, but he is a person and he is passionate. Um, and so listen to what he says um, in Jesus. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 2. I'm, I'm reading the Living Bible Translation. This is what he said. Go and shout this in the Jerusalem streets. The Lord says, I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago. How you loved me and you followed me even through the barren deserts. In those days, Israel was a holy people, the first of my children. All who harmed them were counted deeply guilty and great evil fell upon anyone who touched them. And so there was a lot of mutual um, a fiery desire between both parties. He said, you were like this young bride that was uh, head over heels in love and uh, you were so quick to respond and so sensitive uh, and uh, you know what there was such a flow and by the way anybody that messed with you I would uh, bring a hammer down on them and so he's, he's, he's talking back you remember the guy that says he says to his wife honey you remember how we used to sit so close together when I drove 
that you couldn't even put a piece of paper between us? She says, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember how sweet those days were. He shot back, well, honey, I haven't moved. I know it's early in the morning. I know they changed the seats. Now it's bucket seats. It used to be, but the point is, is that, can I tell you, honestly, God hasn't changed. You know, if you have a memory back of early love with God and it was, it was a lot, there was a lot of passion, a lot of excitement. Uh, I want to tell you something. God did not change. We have, and I get it. Life happens. I get it. You know what? Uh, um, you know, hey, pastor, you know, when you're first married, there's a lot of, you know, things are new and th- and then older and, and time and, you know, and then ch- you go through changes and kids come and da-da-da-da-da. But that, didn't, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that you have to just start treating each other with a, with a coldness uh, or a formality. Yeah? And I noticed that what God said, it starts with the memory. And so we have a couple of assumptions uh, that I want to make. Number one, nobody made you get married to that person. I never had, you know what, I've had the privilege of officiating for many of you. No, but I've never seen anybody with a gun to their head. That means you chose that person. You did. I didn't make you. Hello? You chose that. Why did you choose that person? Why? You know what? There's probably some hopefully good reasons. Michelle didn't choose me because she said, I'm going to get rich. All I had was a blue bag that big. She's the one that had the car. Now, You had a free choice in that, didn't you? You had a free choice. And so you know what? The good news is that even if there is a spark of concern, well, I get a lot of things. Okay, okay. But this is, you know, there's hope because the Bible said a smoking flax, God will not quench, and a bruised reed can make sweet music again. A smoking, that's just a wisp, a little wisp. Well, I got this. Yeah, but if there, is, there, is there not a little wisp of something? Because if you bring that to God and you say, God, help me. I need help. God, I'm, you know what? Uh, doing it my way hasn't exactly, uh, you know, it hasn't exactly been ringing any bells. Uh, and God, I want to, you know what? I want to come to you with a fresh uh, surrender. I want to, you know, the beauty of it is, uh, is that if there's even a wisp of, of, uh, of uh, a smoking flax, God can help you fan that into a, into a mighty flame. Uh, even if there's a bruised reed, you know what? We're not making such sweet music these days. Uh, but you know what? God, through his grace uh, and through his help, uh, that can be restored. Uh, and you know what? Uh, if you heed the wise counsel of God, you will be the one, like the governor at the wedding feast. Uh, whoa, he has saved the best wine unto last. And there's a lot of things I could add right there. You know what? Uh, uh, there's, I've read a number of uh, marriage books, uh, and, uh, and you should too. You should uh, maybe once every couple years at least 
read a little tune-up marriage book. But anyway, the point is, um, I remember reading this guy, and he said, you know what? Um, mature love is actually better than early love. And uh, there was a number of reasons that he gave. You know what? You're more comfortable. You, you should be more comfortable with each other. You should, you know what? Um, uh, you have a lot of opportunities to improve and a lot of opportunities to grow and a lot of opportunities to adjust. And so it can truly be. That's not just, uh, oh, that's just what the preacher says. No, that can actually be. Um, and it's very uh, interesting to me. It's not coincidentally that was spoken at a wedding. By the way, that was Jesus' first public miracle he reserved that and he um, uh, and he exercised his miraculous power at a wedding he first began at the wedding of Cana of Galilee to show his power there's no accident in that that was God's stamp of approval you know what um, I'm a, I am approving of covenant relationship I am approving of the intimacy and the blessings and all that goes along uh, when two people unite in a covenant uh, and I'm, I'm here to declare to you that that miraculous power is still available um, uh, to people's weddings and people's marriages today. Thank God. I understand. I understand situations change. I understand life goes on and, and we're not to live in a la-la uh, fantasy realm, uh, but there are some basics that Jesus is looking for um, and uh, they do and will spring forth out of, um, uh, out of, a, of a person's life that puts forth some effort. You know, Marriage um, may be made in heaven, uh, but lots of the details have to be worked out upon the earth. Well, our marriage is, you know, made in heaven. Okay, but come on. Now, now don't be so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. Come down, put your feet on the ground. Maybe you have to roll up your sleeve. Maybe you even have to do some dishes. Or you know what, whatever. And maybe you have to uh, uh, cultivate an interest in uh, if the guys, you know what, uh, it, it goes both. When I say do some dishes, a lot of you probably assume I'm talking about the men doing dishes. Well, maybe it's some women have to learn to do the dishes. Anyway, let's, let's. You know what? Your mate shall not live by bread alone. He or she needs some buttering up from time to time. I like that line. There's supposed to be some compliments. There's supposed to be, you know, looking for uh, the good to say. And memory can be a very, very uh, good ally in this. Um, and uh, we're talking about a number of components like respect, like, uh, you know what, um, uh, involvement with the, each other as opposed to, uh, to being two ships in the night going different directions. Oh, yeah, we, we're married. We're same name. We share the same house, even possibly the same bed. But you know what? We're going in different directions. And uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, there's, there's things that you can do. And God says, you know, it starts um, with remembering. Um, and uh, and uh, it's, um, it's a very, very good um, uh, encouragement this, this morning um, that, um, that you uh, remember where you've come from, 
remember some of the early things um, and uh, begin to say, God, I'm willing to, uh, I'm willing to choose the better part. As opposed, uh, we have the illustration of two sisters, Martha and Mary. So, so Martha, she's all about all the details. And I'm going to put a good uh, meal on the table for Jesus. And I'm going to have this course and that thing and this thing. And so she's all in a, in a dither about this. Um, and, uh, and her sister Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. Um, and and she's, uh, she's taken in. She's, she has wrapped uh, attention on Jesus. Um, and so then Martha barks at her and said, you know what, Jesus, speak to my sister. I'm the one that's doing all the work. Uh, and, uh, and Jesus said, hey, hey, nobody asked for all this stuff. You know what? You have got all this stuff going on and that's not what is my priority. Mary has chosen the better part, uh, and it's not going to be taken away. And so, you know what? Um, it is the better part. Well, you know, he should, you know, the guy says, you know what? You should appreciate me. I bring home the bacon on the table. Yeah, but if your heart's not with your wife and, you, and you're not uh, uh, noticing her, you're not noticing, uh, you know, she dressed up or she made something special. And I've said this before. My wife can verify. It's like, you know, I've I've been like the, I've been guilty. I, I've liked the vacuum cleaner, the, the Hoover vacuum cleaner. The wife labors for hours making, and then you sit at the table and, and then you're done. Oh, that was delicious. Wait a minute. What was delicious? And she, and then she says, what did you just eat? It's like when someone tells me that was a good sermon. I go, what was it about? Uh, uh, it was good. Mm. Next time, at least kind of get the subject. <laughs> you might not get the title exactly. You know, I'll close with this. There's a mystery in the journey of all this. Proverbs 30:18. There be three things which are too wonderful for me. Yes, there's four that I don't know. The way of an eagle in the air... The way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. He is describing, he's using the metaphors uh, or illustration. You know what? Um, there are some mysteries involved here. And it's a wise person, if we're talking about the area of intimacy, there is no book that you can find that tells you step one, step two, step three, exactly. Be you know why? Because every single woman is uniquely and specially handcrafted, and then God breaks the mold uh, and makes another one. And so there's not just one thing or one step that several steps uh, you know what um, the way of a ship through the sea there's not there's no guardrails for the ship uh, the ship has to navigate the ship has to deal with different things that are going on as the journey proceeds there are tides and currents uh, there are wind factors uh, Rain, sunshine, breezes, uh, you know, things that you can set the sails to catch the, you know what, maybe you're going to have to use more effort with the oars. Uh, there's a bunch of different things. Uh, and we don't have, a, you can make the same journey across from England to the United States, back and forth. 
that. Each trip is different, though it be the same boat, the same people. Uh, it's different techniques that are having to be employed as conditions permit or as conditions exist and so also with the serpent it doesn't have a one lane painted on the on the on the rocks out in the wilderness no there may be some obstruction and it and it has to adjust and it has to go around and so it is uh you know what that with the eagle up there in the currents of the air so he's talking about the air up there he's talking about the water he's talking about on land all those areas and there's has to be in all of the common denominator there has to be adjustment there has to be somebody that figures out oh this is what the condition or the atmosphere is like right now and so i've said it before you know what uh is that um, uh, a woman is you know pastor mitchell had this illustration men we're like coffee cups we just can bounce around in the in the pickup truck and no big deal a woman is like fine crystal if you put the fine crystal in the pickup truck and you drive over a, a, a bumpy road, it breaks. Bible says there's a difference between the man's emotional makeup and the woman's emotional makeup. And the woman has some cycles. I don't know if it's the moon or not, but it's cycles. And so, you know what? Uh, even if something was very, very, uh, very uh, pleasurable on this day, it may not, it may be irritating on another day. And in other words, no, you can't just uh, figure out one thing. Uh, you're going to have to uh, uh, learn the art, the art of being a good lover. Uh, but the point of the matter is, um, is that if we're, uh, if we're willing, if we're sensitive, and by the way, I tell uh, all couples, I say, you know what, uh, God gave us the ability to communicate. And you know what? No man is a psychic. No man is a mind reader. And you have the ability, uh, wife, to speak. Uh, this is what um, uh, is pleasurable, that whatever. Uh, and uh, you know what? This is irritating. Or you know what? Uh, even if it's something touchy, I know this is going to be a little tight here. But you know what? Even if there's some hygiene issues, you know, we can talk. I mean, if you just eat garlic and onions and... Anyway, let's... Bow your... Go ahead, bow your heads. <laughs> On that happy note, somebody's probably thanking me right now. But anyway... The God that shows up at a wedding and they run out of the marriage beverage the first day, right out of the chute... There's some problems. You know what? It is a, a picture that we don't have the ability, we of our own selves, we don't have the ability to foresee everything that's coming or we don't have the resources to, to fulfill every, every issue. And, and we have needs and we have problems and situations. And, 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 but thank God we have a Savior that we can go to. Perhaps you've run out of patience. Perhaps you've run out of, you know what, um, uh, you know what, uh, being, you've run out of wisdom. I don't even know what to do. You've run out of different things, but you can go to Jesus. But here's the, here's the key with, with activating Jesus on behalf of your marriage. Mary tries to press Jesus or pressure Jesus Lord, he said, she said, Jesus, they have no wine. 
In other words, fix it. And Jesus said, what have I got to do with you, woman? My hour has not come. She immediately changed her attitude or her approach. And she said to the servants, whatsoever he says, do it. There's the key. And immediately it became Jesus' time. And he gave some simple instructions that anybody could, could do or fulfill. And then his power came into play. Whatsoever Jesus says, do it. In my, in my marriage, I remember God dealt with me sometimes about being a bully. Stop. God dealt with me. He said, why are you like that? Why are you like that? When I was just like arbitrary or I was just, you know, I don't know, irritated. I don't know. And God has dealt with me. He said, that's not acceptable. I've had God pull me up short and say, you know what, son, that is not winsome. That is not acceptable. And even more than just simply offending my, my spouse, that's not acceptable to God. You can't, you can't get away with that. God said, you know what, if you mistreat your spouse, you're gonna, you're gonna, God's going to find you at the pass and he's going to nail you. And so I'm just going to tell you, nobody gets away with nothing. And so I'm going to encourage you now is that God will help us. God is the creator. He is the one that has the instruction manual. He tells us to practice loving kind. He said to love his brethren. How come, we're, how come we can be nice to strangers and then we're not, what? We're accustomed to the, 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 the old wife or the old husband. Oh, they, they're, 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 you know, they better get used to it. No. You know what? God deals with us and says, listen, if you're going to build something that is beautiful. You know what? He said, I went by the field of the lazy person. And their, and their walls were knocked down. And there was thorns and, 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 and weeds overgrown. Solomon said, I took, great, I took great wisdom from seeing the lazy person's results. Yeah, but he's, he lives next to somebody that has this very fertile, beautiful landscape, beautiful garden, beautiful house. But it's not that God loved the other person better. The Bible said that person was lazy. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't want to put forth the effort. Now he's complaining. Oh, I don't get the breaks. I don't get, how come the other person get all that stuff? The other person worked. That's why. And so, you know what? It begins by getting your priorities straight with God. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, man, I'm going to urge you to make the best decision. Because by ourselves, by ourselves, we are sinful, we are selfish by ourselves. And that's not the recipe for good marriage. The other person is not going to be your slave. The other person is not going to be just waiting, you know, hand and foot to just make you happy when you're demanding it. I tell you, there's a much better way. It's God's way.